Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 727, which is, uh, well, uh, hold on. I think I should probably just quickly interject with a brief moment of... This is 727, of course, was the legendary Roland Latin version of the 707. I think we can blame probably Gloria Estefan for most of that, because that must have been around the time when there was all of that kind of uh, f- the Miami sound and the Florida kind of stuff. But anyway, so yes, that's we've actually got a sort of nomenclature for the show. So, uh, But the show is actually to do with um, music technology. So I suppose we started, kicked right off there with the Synthmania demo of the factory presets of the 727. There is no other relevance whatsoever, apart from there is a topic later on, which is also Roland Drum Machine, but I thought I'd run that. Uh, sorry if I'm sounding a little bit tired and weary but I was out reveling last night my friend's 60th birthday party and I got very little sleep didn't have anything to eat and and you know all of that stuff so that's my voice lots and lots of talking last night and uh, very little sleeping and um, yeah and I was working all day uh, in a recording gig so I was absolutely knackered so that's why I sound but I suppose that means I can qualify with some uh, with some music technology I want to say uh, thank you very much to all our friends we've got uh, those in the discord uh, we've got them in the IRC chat we've got them in the YouTubes of course if you're watching on YouTube uh, both uh, Wagyu and uh, Dominic Hawking uh, Dom had done, Mr Wiggly have done some great work on the behind the scenes to get us these comments and so if you want uh, if you want to ask a com- uh, if you want to post something that we may be able to get around to later because we've got a few queued up now if you type QQ in the live comments for on it will work on YouTube discord and uh, Twitch if you type QQ and then a question uh, it will go into a little f- filtered lift and we'll be able to keep an eye on it and if it doesn't make it this week it might make it next week and by the same token if you're thinking of it or you've got a question lined up that you really want to throw in there you can actually just tweet it to at Sonic State with start QQ and it will get picked up in the same system and we'll have a list of questions to be going on with anyway that's all the housekeeping going on let's get on to some guests uh, let's go to Mr Robin Vincent first of all Robin uh, Molten Music well, Molten Music, it's Molten Music. I, I keep getting it wrong. Molten Music Technology, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Molten, well, molten Music Technology would do, but I'm also Molten Modular. I turn myself into different things because, I don't know, I feel like I need to describe myself. I'm constantly trying to justify my existence by spinning my name in different ways. So, yeah, but and all of that, all of that kind of works. That's funny. Actually, I've got a question for you then. Uh, uh, what oh. happened when you go to, you know, uh, uh, adults, you go to a party, <laughs> some sort of thing where it's parents of people at school, you know, those sort of events that we all go to as uh, grown-ups, and people say, what do you do? What do you tell them that you do? Because I, I just say I'm a YouTuber because it makes it easier, but it's not mm. strictly true. No, it's it's a difficult one. I made the mistake of telling an insurance company that I was a journalist and that, that just span everything out into some kind of disaster because they couldn't find a box to tick. So I get, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I produce content. And they say, well, what does that mean? So, well, I'm a journalist. Well, is that what? So, is that in print? Well, sometimes. Sometimes YouTube, sometimes this. I don't know which box to tick. This poor insurance salesman yeah. was trying to, yeah. trying to work it out. So, uh, I don't know. Um, YouTuber feels... Um, odd. I mean, I'm 51, for heaven's sake. I know, but it, what, what I like is it sort of shocks people. You go, what? Really? I yes. thought, what? So you're like an influencer? And I go, no, but yeah. If that, if oh, but yeah. Um, it, it's great oh, for yeah. your kids at school, though, when they share that sort of information. Yeah. Dad, it's almost as good as being an astronaut. <laughs> Anyway, Robin, lovely to have you. I'm glad you made it in. I know it was a bit short notice this week because I sort of dropped the ball because of all the other commitments. We've also got Mr. Yoad Nevo there, Nevo Sound. Yoad, of course, uh, mixer ec- par excellence and uh, producer and developer for Waves, um, three um, uh, surround sound mixer, all of those things. How are you? Actually, last time I saw you, Yoad, it was in the basement of a rather shabby but kind of delightful uh, Soho bar, which we were at for the Roland Oh Yeah, uh, the Roland yeah that was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. was it was really nice. Did we ever find out what it was called? Because it was just a really random sort of, it didn't really have a name, did it? I doubt if we'll find it ever again. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Are you busy? You got stuff on? You got a lot going on? Yeah, I have so much on that I, you know, jumping from one thing to another and my, my brain is going... Um, 
yeah, it's really overcharged, but uh, but there's a buzz to it, so I kind of enjoy yeah. it, and I like getting into something, doing some work. Unfortunately, I don't have the satisfaction of finishing stuff because a lot of things are big projects and um you know the wave stuff but also in the music and mixing so it's it's not like that's what i like about mastering that it's like it's bang tough. bang you know you, you do it you get into it for like whatever however long it takes sometimes it takes very short time you know you just get it and you do it and it's out of the way and you feel like you've done something but all these big projects it's a little bit, um, yeah, but yeah, no, not complaining. I, I'm, I'm loving. I it. understand. It's, it's the, the creative cycle. That's that. That's that. That's the thing that attracted me to the internet, really, because it's like you know, I've got an idea. I'm going to write something down and I'm going to post it, and it's sort of done. You know, you kind of go woo, and then you can see what happens to it. But I, I totally get that. The uh, creative cycle can be very long with big projects. God, I look very green, don't I? No, I don't know. I, I can't stop messing with colour now. Anyway, anyway, lovely to have you, Yoad. And we have also Mr. Gaz Waldo Williamson. How are you, Gaz? Uh, bass yeah. player, uh, YouTuber. In fact, you got a show tonight haven't you that uh, you wanted to tell people about right oh yeah definitely and um 8 p.m tonight uh so the guys will show and uh i've got uh modalics joining me that's uh Eyal amir and or lubianica they're going to be joining me to talk about their new plugin called beat scholar which is a drum machine program i guess it works as a plugin um vst au ax or a standalone but what makes it interesting, I think, is the quite uniquely musician sort of developed uh, idea behind it. It's a different approach to, to programming a drum machine. And I think uh, I've been really blown away by it. So um, the thing about those guys is I saw them play. Uh, I'm going to talk about this on the show tonight, but I saw them play as their band Project RNL supporting Osric Tentacles a few years ago. And they are one of the greatest bunch of musicians i've ever seen in my life absolutely brilliant so so the keyboard player and bass player of that band have developed this sort of drum software and it really is very very interesting it's called i say beat scholar so yeah more about that later but also we're going to be talking about musical influences and maybe sort of the path to how they came to develop that so um but i should mention though immediately after that show there will be a live robin. stream from robin <laughs> so he's kind of moved aside a little tonight. bit for me. yeah so yeah. i really appreciate that yeah, that's all right. Bumped it back a little bit. I mean, my my stream is a much less uh, important or weighty, I think. The idea is that I, I've been sent a whole bunch of stuff over the summer that I haven't got around to plug it in. So I'm just going to plug it in and, and see if any of it makes noise. So that's that's this evening's uh, consequential like live stream. Evening. Yeah. I did Can see I just... you were posted on Facebook. Sorry, I did see you posted Facebook with the Hornets. I hope they're not in your shed because I'm a bit worried about them. That's all. <laughs> no, that was down by the house, thankfully. And they were local oh, Hornets as opposed to uh, um, tourist Marauding. Hornets. They weren't. They yes. weren't. Yeah. They weren't oh, murder. Sorry, murder guys. Beatles. I just want to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to plug the, uh, the the show that I'm doing on Saturday in Birmingham. It's called yeah. Drone Path. It's a really, really interesting one, this. So if you're in anywhere near Birmingham, or I reckon it's worth traveling for, but um, essentially Victorian baths. I mean, these are like bathtubs, different cubicles uh, that have been preserved as a kind of heritage site. Um, Birmingham, of course, was the seat of industry, really, in, in Britain and took a great pride in their manufacturing and, and whatnot. So these um, these baths, you know, it's where they went to kind of scrub themselves clean once a week, maybe. They've been preserved. And so they, you've got all these, like, cubicles, um, which are tiled, really old-fashioned tiled cubicles. Now, these cubicles don't have ceilings but so what's going to happen is there's going to be about 15 different musicians scattered through various ones of these cubicles all playing different kind of mm, synths and modular and all sorts of things uh making it it's uh, like a, like drones now uh, so the sound will kind of come out through the ceiling and then it's a very tiley sort of environment Ooh. so uh you know ordinarily you know music isn't going to work very well in such a place but this is quite an interesting use of 
the space. And it's going to be lights and lasers as well. But what's going to be also cool is um, as you wander through it, you know, some of the cubicles will be empty and some of the cubicles you'll find musicians in there. Um, Steve Davis is going to be taking play. <laughs> well, I hope you won't uh, find anybody changing getting ready to go into the bath either. <laughs> well, maybe they'll throw a few. Someone, having, someone uh, yeah, in a bath. That's funny. Uh, but also uh, John Biddulph uh, is going to be, who's uh, yeah. I think, familiar to some of the Sonic audience. And uh, Finley Shakespeare is also going to be taking part. And a whole, whole bunch of other people. Oh, nice. Around 15 of us. And um, so uh, also, though, they, we don't know what we're going to be given a set of rules. I think John Biddulph has been creating some rules. But those, those rules, there's also going to be some rules for the uh, for the spectators or the audience or whatever. Um, I, I think to do with maybe maps, suggested pathways to wander through this labyrinth of uh, cubicles. Um, oh. Such a unique event. Uh, so that's uh, mostly road baths on Birmingham from 6pm. Yeah, we, po- we, we posted, posted the link. Oh, yeah. 6pm on Saturday. Okay. Nice. Nice yeah. one. Yeah. Um, uh, just, just for those of you who might be interested, Cheapo Card Company, Johnny Depp bought an old Victorian bathtub in a Norwich shop not long ago, uh, which I guess might be relevant <laughs> to you, Robin. I just, I don't know why. I just thought I, there's two reasons. I, I wanted to test our comments, uh, you know, to, to screen system. And I also thought it was an amusing uh, title anyway. <laughs> amusing thing yeah. to post. There's a, there's so, a bleeding uh, well, we, shortage of Victorian baths in Norwich, you know. God, you know, just when you think uh, one comes been up. buying them all up. That geezer <sighs> comes waltzing in. Flipping it. Paying, inflating the prices. Yeah. God, bloody hell. Right. Okay. Let's see what we've got. Uh, So, uh, well, I thought we'd start. Let's start. Yeah. This. uh, Now, I apologize for this because I downloaded the video and it was shot in kind of TikTok fashion. And uh, basically, it means it's all wrong. Um, So, (laughs) but yeah, we'll have a little bit of this. So, we've got piano. Jacob Collier um, going through. This Steinway. He takes. On the road. It's not hard at each gig. It's actually brought everywhere he's going. So he's on tour at the moment. A few different sounds. But it's a really interesting tour. He goes through that because, I mean, as we know, Jake Collier, multi-instrumentalist, multi-Grammy winner now, multi-Grammy nominated. Sort of a little bit of a kind of... uh, pretty damn good at everything and i don't know if you've been following uh there's he's been posting there's been some stuff posted from his gigs and one of the things that was really fascinating i, th- I forget the name of the tune now but it was uh this this ma- massive get the entire audience singing along he's running around playing bass for a bit then someone takes over the bass i mean a mixing nightmare but it sounded absolutely amazing i'm fr- the name of the guy uh joe jose hiltega is doing front of house i've n- i don't think i've ever heard a mix so accomplished it sort of reminds me of those uh live zapper mixes where there was just so much going on and it was all really well mixed. he and he, d- he yeah it's a really fascinating thing and it's nice to see they're using what they're using seventh heaven and uh the microshift uh which is uh, sound toys as well i just thought it was kind of fast anyone has anyone seen uh jacob collier on any of uh, uh his recent gig oh you have guys okay well that's a good start yeah um yeah great video though loads of lo- mm. i mean you really get it's like 45 minutes long and it's just mm-hmm. like ooh, look yes i mean uh what an incredible band, though, as well. Um, I think some of you yeah. might have seen I posted a little video when I went to see him uh, in Bristol. Uh, there was they were just about to come on, and then there was a power cut. Um, and I think the power cut was it wasn't just in the building. I think it was the, the area in the area, and uh, so we were all waiting and waiting and waiting. Anyway. Um, they came on stage to say, unfortunately, Jacob isn't going to be, you know, oh, actually, Jacob came on stage and said, I'm really sorry, but we can't, we can't play because there's no power. Um, so everybody sort of trudged out of the building. Uh, I went up to the multi-story car park, which overlooks the street, and then I just heard a bit of noise and looked down in the street. And sure enough, Jacob had set up outside the tour, outside his tour bus with an impromptu bunch of equipment and did a little gig in the street. Um, wow. And I just thought that that was so, um, well, you know, how many people would yeah, have... Yeah, it's the right thing to do, it? isn't it? It's sort of... Yeah. Yeah. So enjoyed watching it. So I filmed a little bit of it. I streamed it a little bit of it just because I thought it'd be good to capture some of that moment because it was such a unique thing. Uh, but then actually he went back looking over the edge and going, actually, it looks like people are going back in. And man, the power had come back on and he managed to have, so the concert managed to wow. take place after all, uh, albeit slightly Memorable. abbreviated. 
Yeah. So, you know, double, you know, um, so we had like a, you know, double dosing really. Uh, but yeah, I just thought, you know, that, that way that he could, you know, get it together to do that thing. And he had everybody singing and he was, compo- you know, conducting everybody in the street, you know. Um, it do- I mean, there, there's something that the only thing I will say about him, he's so good and so fluent sometimes you just there's just i feel a little bit kind of like jealous i suppose i i feel <sighs> almost like this kind of oh come on can you just be bad at something you know? can you have a down day in fact i think lady aptitude folk i love yeah. jacob collier but find him exhausting it's like non-stop 11 i mean he's yeah and there is that <laughs> i most think to my a degree friends, but m- most of my friends don't like his music don't like him Right, you know, which which is kind of peculiar because he, you know, he gives. Well, it's sort of everything. clever rather than emotive, isn't it? I suppose in in many well, ways. you say both, that. But... I mean, when you, you you see him do the Tiny Desk concert, which is him playing his very gentle, very emotive, beautiful material. So, pretty much any criticism, he has a musical kind of answer to it, really. Um, mm. But. Some people, they don't like his voice. And I thought that was really interesting because mm, he's a virtuoso yeah, on all these instruments. Mean. But if that voice doesn't connect, all of that stuff mm, kind of falls yeah, away. It's, it's a, quite a that's funny one, that. Thing. Yeah, he, does have, he does have a distinctive voice, I think it would be fair to say. I know, uh, yeah, have you ever had, I mean, I, you've done, have you done some live mixing? I can't remember whether we've ever discussed this before. Yeah, I, but used I, mean, to. I used to. And I actually, talking about the Steinway piano on stage, um, I worked in um, in on this production, and we had um, a Steinway, like not a Steinway, but a grand piano body that was emptied. And where the keyboards are, they put an RD whatever nine or whatever it was <laughs> back then. Like yes. Holland. Uh, so you see uh, like a grand piano on stage and it looks great and everything, but you don't have to tune it and it's much lighter and everything. <laughs> so uh, that was a... Uh, um, That's a trick. I think a lot of people do that. Can you imagine having to lug a Steinway around and kind of tune it? Yeah, I mean, just the I, amount of money it must cost just in piano tech and shipping to move that thing around. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Yeah. But uh, they do it. I mean, fantastic. I know, uh, Robin, it's... it's co- not, oh, oh, sorry. No, no, no I'm saying on, not to mention the, the microphones and all that that involves in, uh, you know, with recording a rock band, especially when you want to have the lid open because it looks good and it sounds good, but then you have all the drums in and you have to, you know, so most of the times it will be shut anyway with PZMs inside, yeah. you know, so you right. kind of, anyway. I didn't notice whether it was open or closed, but it's at the front of the stage, so I suppose it would be better. You'd, you'd have an audience spill. I know, uh, Robin, have you... Uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of tech going I mean, I imagine being mm. a tech on that show. It, it looks like it's really good fun, but it must be also... And, you know, so, uh, like we all have days where you're a bit tired and I imagine uh, Jacob is just <laughs> endlessly, boundlessly full of energy and sometimes you're like, yeah, all right, I, I'll, I'll try and sort that out right away. But I guess it might be buoy you up a little bit mm. as well. So that's got to be good. But uh, Well, it, it must be very gig ready. You know, it, there's no room for, for things not quite working. So it must all come together really well. I mean, I'm, I'm just annoyed he hasn't aged at, at all. I mean, he could at least do that if he's brilliant at everything else. He can't possibly be holding back time that doesn't seem that doesn't seem fair i don't know but i did enjoy the spoons whatever they were about and you know respect for the shirt as always yeah and the trousers but the the loud mm. the loud pantalons uh, is always uh, well known for that but yeah a great video if you get a chance to check it out and mm. it's just you know it, it, it's sort of it's just an affirmation of the essence of Jacob Collier, which is like Tigger, basically, but, you know, musical. Uh, so, can, so. I just, can I just say one, one thing very briefly? You're talking about, like, you know, the, you know, taking a Steinway on the road. In terms of taking out a massive piece of kit on the road, um, obviously the Grateful Dead took their wall of sound PA out in the 70s, and there's a fantastic... A Netflix six-part documentary about um, about the Grateful Dead called Long Strange Trip, and in one of the episodes, there's quite a decent amount sort of dedicated to uh, talking about the um, uh, talking about the uh, the Wall of Sound PA, which is just oh. like the most ludicrous thing to ever, especially given the time. Uh, but just very briefly, the bass player, he um, Phil Lesh, his pickups he had um individual outputs for each of the strings and essentially you know like a proto line array for each 
you know, each string across the stage, sort of, uh, I don't know, 20 speakers for each string. <laughs> oh, for um, sake. Well, I suppose if you're that big and you're that, you're doing that much stuff, you can kind of get away with it. But there was an, there, there is an, I mean, it's, I think with Jacob Collier, there's not, it's not about pomp and kind of prognus. It's just, they, the band is massive and they but there, there are very few of these kind of band, you know, there's, there's obviously, uh, uh, Zappa's band, uh, there's Jacob Collier's band. There are some bands which just have this, uh, Prince's band, you know, that are just these kind of amazingly well put together and really tight units. And I think, you know, there's, they're very, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a real kind of, um, don't get a lot of that, I suppose, is what we're saying these days. It's, it's good to see. Um, I think we're going to just have a little word from our friends over at, uh, well, I'll press this button. I can't remember which is which now because, I, I, like I say, I was up late last night. Ah, here we go. It's VB, Baby Audio. Brilliant. Uh, uh, no, that's not what I want. It's this one. Baby Audio, yes. Baby Audio makes creative effects plugins uh, designed to add colour and depth to your mixes. They were plug-in of the year 2021 in future music. Uh, try the iHeart New York uh, 2 Punchy Parallel Compressor VST AUAX engineered for modern aggressive compression sound. 44% off intro sale. I think it's still going. You also get 15% off with checking out with the code ST15. If you head over to babyaudio.com, then uh, they will be able to furnish you. We thank them very much for their support. And uh, do check it out. It's a uh, all good stuff. Anyway, so uh, right, what else have we got? Another topic. Gosh, I'm. That's the problem when you operating heavy machinery when you kind of hadn't had any sleep. That's what I feel like I'm doing at the moment. Oh, here we go. This is a bit random. This is kind of quite a unique concept. So let's take a look. This is the Silhouette Eins, which is uh, by now Pit Prizigoda. Uh, it's now close to shipping. We saw this at uh, Superbooth. This is seven sounds from it. It looks fantastic. It's got like a kind of light sensitive place where you put kind of lights, I guess, bars and, uh, and it drives the uh, oscillators. And it's, a, it's just uh, visually, it looks like a real lot of fun. It's four grand mine, but these things are just really interesting. And it's a sort of, it, it's a fairly unique way of doing things. I mean, because Opto's used in quite a lot of uh, electronics, I suppose, but not generally in sound source. We use it in. Uh, uh, they, in fact, they use optos in the. I think it was in the the uh, VCAs uh, on the um, malevolent, I believe. But also, you got opto compressors and whatnot. But this, yeah. So this is kind of. I just thought it was kind of fun. We have seen it before, but visually, it's quite stunning. Uh, uh, Robin, uh, uh, did you get to see this at Superbooth? I mean, it's a it's a real it's a crowd pleaser, isn't it? Definitely. It it is. Yeah. No, I didn't actually see it in in the flesh, but I have followed it around a bit uh, virtually. I mean, it it was a lot more unwieldy. He seems to have brought it together into some kind of uh, sensible size. The thing that I really like is that panel of plexiglass and the knobs over the top of software, because you've got like a, a see through control panel with software behind that's updating, which is like that holy grail mm. of having hardware, but with a software updatable display behind it. I think that's that's a really interesting feature. And of course, it means the knobs can be anything. You can, you know, just for a flick of the software, they can become controlling something else. And it tells you exactly what they are. And the modulation is moving, which is all the best things about that's software genius. synthesis, but attached to, uh, to a hardware interface. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea because it's probably cheaper to have one large screen than lots of little individual ones, just from a manufacturer mm. point of view, because you've got a single component, although the software then becomes more complicated, I suppose. I know, Yad, what do you think? I mean, that's that's not a bad idea, is it, having a kind of hardware layer over a full screen? I mean, it could just be a cheap TV screen or something. It doesn't necessarily have to be AMOLED or anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, what really attracted me with that uh, at Superbooth is the, the way to create wavetables basically on the fly because um, when you try to morph, when you try to synthesize um, from scratch, you know, subtractive or not to mention additive, um, it's really hard to create complex waveforms which are not based on distortion and, and things like that, uh, which are just harmonically rich, but things that can evolve and mutate from one thing to another um but maintain their kind of complexity and richness um and with with that because it's optical so it converts um a picture which is quite complex 
there are a lot of irregularities and a lot and when it converts it to whatever it does with us harmonic content pitch um all those things you have a palette which is already quite complex and when you um modulate it or you scan it you have a wavetable which is um out of the box you know it may be random and and things like that it has to you have to find the right stuff to do because if you mm. do something too complicated it will be just a mess it will just sound like Messy, yeah, white yeah. noise so it has to have you know um i used to experiment with that years ago in soundforge you could um you could import kind of raw files into and it would convert them into pcm so i used to draw you know it's a little bit like iris um isotope that synth they have which is kind of a graphic um conversion um so yeah i i really like that concept i think it's a great concept of it's a great way of importing basically a lot of data into audio um yeah in, you know, in, in a way which is already processed it's not like sampling the audio but it's it, it it's making something else something useful from it which is quite hard especially with you know complex uh to find the relationship and to to have you know pitch yeah. curve and formant curve and amplitude curve and all those things these are the kind of more common ways but i think that what they do here is i don't know it sounds it sounds good when i was there it sounded really good just the scanning of the you know of those images in front of the camera i was really impressed yeah nice i know gaz um i i think uh the, not for everybody uh res music says looks like another another synth that makes crap sounds 4k of eye candy there is no <laughs> doubt that it is eye candy but actually yeah. what, I, what i think is really interesting is what robin was saying about you know the, this idea of marry of the of the hardware and software because I mean, it sounds great i mean it would be a lovely thing to play wouldn't it you can imagine somebody who's perhaps a vision more visually um you know who doesn't have a lot of visual stuff going on and moves over to that and for a live stream or for a, a, a big sort of diamond vision above the stage so it'd be quite visually stimulating and whether it sounds good or not i don't know but uh, yeah but the visuals and the, does. the visuals and the audio they need to be they need to really correlate to each other you know so you get this real sense of what you see is what you hear um and the, you know the danger i guess this is something we're all touching on that um you know, if you take plasticine and you try to make something in plasticine um initially you know quite simple things but then it all starts to merge together and just turn to brown kind of gloop <laughs> for sort of, you, know, you know i think it's sort of similar to you know the danger is there it's so easy for it to kind of just um yes. you know but um i think though uh, anything that is um you know if if you if, if you were seeing that live you'd want to see very clearly the visual aspect of it for it to kind of make sense. You know, otherwise I guess mm. it's just, you know, uh, that, that's know, its, yeah. its selling point. Um, I, I saw something on, on um, Twitter recently that I t retweeted uh, the, the sound that NASA had released saying it's like, here's a sound from space, but really it was like an FFT sweep across a, um, a picture of, <laughs> of a nebula. Um, but the thing that was interesting there though, was that the sound, uh, so, you know, NASA were being a little bit disingenuous kind of saying it was a sound from space as opposed to a sound made from space, but yeah. that, uh, at least though you can, you know, as you, as you can watch that little video and you can see the, 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 the kind of playhead essentially moving around clockwise across the, this nebula and all the sound changes and morphs uh, um, but you can you know what you see and hear has that kind of yeah, you don't know what it's doing but you know it's doing something in real time is that effectively it sounds and key, looks right? as one yeah right. Um, right yeah uh but i mean i love i just love things like this though and you know it's great that people put such a lot of effort into making these things. I know, it's, it's a lot of money. Four grand seems kind of pricey for this, but I guess one off, you know, bespoke, it's, you know, that's the way it yeah. goes, isn't it? You know, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'd Interesting. I thought it was... <laughs>
I thought it was good. Yeah, it was a good one. There's lots of, uh, apparently, uh, Native Instruments just released Contact 14, uh, a complete 14, uh, which, again, I missed. We can perhaps talk about that another time, but hey, what the hell, we'll, uh, we'll get onto that at another point. So, uh, right, let's see what the time is now. Yeah, we'll do this one. I think this is, because this kind of ties in with the initial thought of the drum machines, uh, you know, of the 727, and this is the TR-8S. So the TR-8S has had a version 2 update, which gives it uh, FM voices. It gives is it uh, uh, ultra expressive macro Hello, control, macro Roland, control lets you sweep through TR8S tonal variation and also new effects algorithms as well. Oh, I haven't got a, a you I haven't got a, a link for that. I beg your pardon. Uh, we'll we'll run for that. The, we've we've spoken to this about about this before. I mean, the TRIS seems to be or has been the kind of the sweet spot. If you're going to buy a modern drum machine, it's not the TRIS, the TRA, it's the TRIS because you've got sample playback as well. And it, it's like a proper, I suppose it's sort of, it would be a great drum machine to have in the 90s if it was if it had been around because it's samples and sequences and you get all of that. I, I dare say, Robin, there are 727 samples that you can have in it as well. There probably are. I mean, I, I would like to point out it's actually the 2.5 update oh, so you may have spoken about it before when it was uh, when it was 2.0 because that's when they introduced the fm drums but with the 2.5 okay. which i think is think is what Oops. you mean they've uh, yes. they've introduced Thank editing you. to those fm drums so you've now got the acb version of the old tr stuff you've got sample stuff and now you've got an fm synthesis engine that you can actually tweak through some kind of movement of faders and stuff i i suspect I don't know the drum machine. Thank that goodness well. you're here, Robin, because obviously <laughs> I completely, completely cocked that topic. I do apologise, everybody, but uh, thank you, Robin. You, you've, 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 you've put me right and given the right information out, which I think is is an important. Whew. Good job, you're a proper journalist. Thank you very much. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, Gaz, we when we saw the demo of this, I mean, it really we've spoken about it before. Is it's like really does yeah. feel? I'm, I'm sort of almost tempted. I mean, I don't like drum machines very much, but I'm almost tempted by this. I don't know why. I've got an. It doesn't uh, seem you know, but it seems. It's the good. best. It's the best drum machine Roland have ever made. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I think so because it can really get super close to the 808s and the 909s, you know. Um, but I think it's just got a really great workflow and the way that they've expanded it is fantastic. It's really good. I mean, when they put, you know, in the 2.0 2 release, I remember when that came out in the FM expansion. So now uh, that's kind of cracking it open and turning it into so, such a creative device. Uh, I think they're, uh, you know, I think they've, they've just got it right. But a lot of people, though, and I can kind of concur, is that the TR6S, the little one, that's also just right as well in terms of the form factor and the amount of options and creativity and performability. Uh, yeah. I think they've, you know, I think they've That's got... Just six you know, channels, isn't it, essentially, yeah. Yes, you know, cut down in, in quite a few ways. But 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 the underlying Zencore uh, engine in there, I think you, you can pass things back and forth. I'm not sure if the FM goes across to the six. Um, but just the... If, when you sit in front of the... 8s though there's something very uh in, just very fun and immediate and gratifying and i think that's what drum machines need to have otherwise you just use yeah. a computer you know it has to have that playability it has to have that that unique thing and, and this one absolutely does so great that they're continuing to develop it it wasn't it didn't seem that long between the tr8 and the tr8s but i think the tr8 was almost just made obsolete when the TR8S came out. It's just sort of, it bettered it in so many ways. Um, but yeah, uh, what's the what's the list price on them now? I'm just looking it up now. 586, so around about, I don't know what it is in dollars. It's probably going to be similar to uh, in dollars, I would imagine, sort of 600 bucks, 600 quid, something like that. What is the, sam the maximum sample time per sort of kit? Oh, don't know. Yeah, it's probably going to be something really weirdly <laughs> Roland restrictive. I'm just yeah, kind of like, yeah, it's almost great, but actually, it's not quite that yeah, great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, that's. Uh, I know. Yeah, I know. You're. You know. You famously. You know. You set up great kind of environments within Logic to be able to program. Uh, be when. I mean. Is there or has there been a drum machine that you still have? You know that you would reach for given a, if you had to use it over what you're using in software. Um, you know that that 
the way I work is in front of the computer and I have the, the BeatStep Pro, which has, you know, we, we, we did a video on it. Each button for each pad has 128 samples already from the get-go and I can do the, the step sequencing and all that from here, change, have access to all these sounds on the fly, like after it's been programmed because of the environment thing with Logic. So it changes samples on the EXS. So I have 128 kicks, snares, you know. So I can't be tempted with with the drum machine um, right. in my in my workflow. Um, and it's here and it's integrated and it's recorded and, and I have the, you know, the probability and the randomness of the, which I really like on that. So you dial it in and you record like five minutes of a drum pattern with um, some irregularities and stuff like that. And then you choose um, plus the fact that you can change the samples after it's been recorded to MIDI, all those things for me are, are really important in, in my, my workflow. And I don't really use kind of pattern-based sequencing that much, apart from when I do stuff like that on, on this um, and record it in and chop it up. But mm. usually it's, uh, it's I, I would loop stuff up, of course, but, but, you know, the I don't need an external kind of, thing to produce sound that's for sure and in no. and, and yeah you know what i mean so so just to justify to justify something like that just because of the programming capabilities is also not something that i can so no well you've got a great you've got a great system there which is actually that's a pretty cool thing i mean and i think that's something that would be great to replicate in it because changing samples you know just programming beat quickly and then really flipping through the samples on a on a on just on a because a, it's a, always a the, yeah it's always the sounds you know it's always the sounds you you're stuck with with the sounds and it's um and it's the browsing and the accessibility of of having thousands of sounds which I don't necessarily go through each one, but it's kind of, it, it triggers kind of intuition. You know, you, you, do, you do that and it will bring you somewhere you didn't expect, but you mm. wanted to go, get to. You know what I mean? That kind yeah, of thing. Because and when you've, cura you've created those sounds in the first place anyway, so they're, they're yours and you've already made a choice that these are all good sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Anyway, well, uh, the TR8S version 2.5, thank you very much, Robin, is available now. And I think, I imagine it's a free download. Uh, I haven't even bothered to find that out, which is, again, uh, just my shabby preparation. I do apologize. That's uh, that's very shabby. Uh, oh, yes. And uh, uh, that lower third there. Oh, no, that's Mr. Wiggly. Check check, check out Argonaut. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I just talked. I think that must have been a typo. Okay, I missed that one. Um, right. Okay. Well, I think it's probably time to have a, a word from our friends over at Isotope. Uh, so here they come. Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs, and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And once again, we thank them for their uh, uh, their support of the show. In fact, I think there's some deals on at the moment if you're interested. Uh, uh, RX10 is here, and I think there's uh, yeah there's a, there's a bunch of stuff on on sale. But if you want to save even more, you can use the code Sonic10 to get. 
10% off any software purchase there. Uh, thank you very much uh, for um, for their continued support. Okay, uh, let's see where we are now. Gosh, we I mean, I, I, unless there's a topic we really want to get to, there are actually a bunch of questions that we've got in for people. How does everybody feel about uh, moving on to questions? Is there because we in the summer we usually have a dearth of project uh, of uh, topics, but now we've actually got some, and we've also got questions, which is awesome. So I think we're going to go with a few questions because I think that for me is uh, it's jolly good fun as well. So I, I'm there's a great one which is uh, came in from MIDI era. So I'm just going to throw that one up, which I think is absolutely awesome. So uh, now this is this. I guess we might need to uh, save the. Um, some of the details to protect the innocent in this situation. But basically, this question is um, from Midiera, who uh, does a bit of writing for us, and he said, uh, what's the most expensive piece of gear you've dropped, fallen on, basically broken by accident when it's in your care? I knew Gaz would have a groan there. I'm going to go first because... Uh, I, I, it's really more to do with I, I was uh, when we first started out. Uh, we did we did this Tom's Diner remix, and we went to we were taken to New York, and we we basically uh, were in Suzanne's private studio, and uh, with uh, I'm trying to remember the name Anton. Um, I forget the name of the producer now, but he said, "Oh, stick the tape on." So I stuck the tape on, and I rewound it all the way back. So it was tail out. So I re, but I left the actual. It was an Otari, and I'd left the, the head guard up, and I'd rotated the tape around the head guard and zipped it right through. And this was before we'd even started anything, and I thought. Oh my God! I've just shredded the only multi-track of the whole reason that we're here, and I feel ri I didn't say anything, and I was just sort of sitting there because I was only about nineteen, twenty, and I was just thinking, "Oh my God! I've completely ruined everything." And uh, we were, uh, we came in afterwards, and he played it, and there was n it was fine, and I was like, "Phew!" But that was the closest thing I came to a complete like I've just trashed the entire session. Gaz, you groaned, so therefore you must have something that you need to. Uh, <laughs> well, everyone to knows about mine. Surely, when live which, which on Sonic Talk, when uh, oh yeah, your your, your mic and your keys, and, yeah, and then Rode NTV uh, NTK uh, NTK yeah valve mic took a tumble and smashed into the sledge, the Studio Logic sledge, breaking a key and um, uh, and broke the head off the microphone all all whilst I had in-ears. And that was the funny bit about that particular show is I I was just trying out my in-ears for the first time on the show, uh, which form a, such a seal so you don't hear any noise whatsoever. I think that was all the, the funniest bit about it was, was that all that stuff happened and made an enormous bang and you turned to me and said, Kaz, is everything all right? And I'm going, yeah, because I, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. Oh, because you had your headphones on, didn't you? We just yeah, saw it behind you, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so everyone heard it, except for, you know, I just, <laughs> I was like, yeah, what? And then I turned around and saw all the carnage. <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Live so, classic air. Sonic moment. Uh, well, it does happen, doesn't it? It does happen. Uh, I don't know. Robin, how about you? I mean, you know, we get a lot of stuff in for review. Sometimes it's expensive. Sometimes, you know, it, things happen. I haven't. I don't think I've broken anything, certainly not intentionally. Or, well, obviously never mm. intentionally, but uh, I don't think I have. <laughs> never intentionally. Got any... Got any <laughs> not... Any pratfalls um, with expensive equipment? <laughs> well, the only thing that springs to mind is, is back in the last century, uh, I used to do NAM, and uh, we... We were there with uh, with Turnkey and Media Tools, and I was running the Carillon Audio System stand, and we were there for like three days building this extraordinary stand out of bits of old plywood that we'd shipped from London to Anaheim, and knocking the whole thing together. And the the piece de resistance was this enormous flat screen, which were they were rare at the time, I think, and um, yeah. it was you know all our software and bits and pieces were going to be up on this so we can demo the system and it just sort of sat there leaning against part of the stand and we were banging nails in and uh, trying to get other bits to work and it just all by itself somehow rolled over you know just softly onto some carpet picked it up the whole thing was shattered and oh. this was this was the day before this was like the thursday or something and we were everything was just just it was just about to go up so yeah that was and it was pricey to rent one in those days too because it was yeah, a, as i say it was yeah. a nice piece of nice piece of gear so yeah that one springs to mind and i didn't <laughs> oh, touch it i'm okay. sure it wasn't me that touched it it was neil it that wasn't touched me it. 
No, it was yeah, those it Union me. guys. That's where it was. Yeah. Well, because you brought the stuff with you, which you're not supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to. It's all got to come through the the, the carpenter and all of that stuff. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah. You, you you broke the Teamsters line there. That's probably yeah, well. <laughs> I, I I mean, I, who am I to 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 make such an accusation? Yoad, uh, how about yourself? I mean. You seem to have everything sort of very, you know, I, I don't see things balanced precariously on top of each other in your studio where one might in another place, but I'm sure you might have something. I have I have quite a few, but I'll, uh, <laughs> you know, throughout the years, it's just uh, I've been in so many sessions and so many weird things happened and and stuff. Uh, but, but one thing that uh, in what Gaz, uh, Gaz's story um I remember one time we were recording kind of weird percussiony stuff and there was a, like half a barrel filled with water um that that they used to make kind of weird, weird sound effects and things like yeah, that yeah. And that was part of the of the session and there was a, a Neumann mic and it fell like right onto the thing. <laughs> Oof. And you know the the shock, <laughs> the shock map. You, you went like this, just almost touching the water, but not. That was a really close Ooh. call. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that, that. There are. I mean, there are numbers and numbers of these. Things. I mean, it, there's also sort of live stuff, isn't there, where things break and you've got to sort of improvise until you know it's like strings going, straps going, leads going, you know, all of that oh, kind of yeah, stuff. I, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've seen that with you guys, where you you yeah. know just been kind of you have to balance the bass on your knee because the strap comes yeah. off and it's right in the middle well, of the breakdown way. It's really. <laughs> Yeah, worse than that. We were playing. A, it was a really big gig playing with Charlotte Church. It was a, and it was, um, it's going so well. Everything was great. I have a tendency to sort of um, get a bit overexcited on stage, and I did a big jump, and I think my um, the, the 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 thing ripped on on the, um, the. It's always risky leaning over to grab things. That's what caused that accident yeah. before. Careful, the, careful now. This it ripped on here. It just right. Oh no! Yeah, it just it just ripped. So uh, so the base went down. But what it did was it landed on the jack plug and it broke the jack plug inside the base. So um, so then we were like, you know, so some techs ran on to try and help, you know, and they're trying to get like a, you know we have to get it because the jack plug had sort of broken off inside the base. Oh, you need special. <laughs> Skinny yeah. nose pliers, don't you? Yeah. Um, Charlotte was brilliant, though. She kind of did some a cappella singing with the crowd, and um, and you know, and what ha I mean, what happens here is is something quite good. When something goes wrong, the audience, I don't know, they they become part of the show more. They kind of relate. Um, like in the very first ever silent gig, you know, my band did the first silent gig. We are the originators. We are the first. And, uh, and when we were doing it, we, we did two performances. And the first performance uh, was for press. This was in the year 2000. And I, I have told this story before, I apologize. But I mean, it's kind of relevant in this way, just that um, we did this big, long, atmospheric introduction. We had lead drums, which were still quite new at the time. Um, and there's a guy, Roland supplied all the equipment and we had all that kind of mm, surroundy sort of headphone mix going on. Everybody in the, in the audience was on headphones. Uh, and this was quite groundbreaking at the time, I guess, technologically. And anyway, we're doing this thing. We did an elongated opening and uh, really atmospheric. And then the big moment, it was like uh, my band Rocket Gold Star, um, the song, I come in with the drums and everything comes crashing in and I just come in in this big vocal and uh, and just on the downbeat, I stood on the cable, which pulled my cable out of my headphones. <laughs> you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> I can't hear it. You know, so it's not just like pulling your cable out. It's like you're cut off entirely from everything. It's like, oh, right Yikes. at that moment. I mean, egg oh, face. Yes, I was egg face, egg face maximum. But, you know, we had to sort of, you know, I had to stop and start again. And it's really embarrassing, but they'll, but that's when that thing happens. That the audience, it's all a little bit weird, and everyone's a bit uncomfortable. You know, it's a very unusual. But they thing share it, yeah. But that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then they see yeah. this, and then uh, everything sort of relaxes a little bit, and everybody enjoys it a bit more. So, 
you know, as much as, as mortifying as it is for the performer, that audience bond, you know, the audience generally don't want to see you fail most no, of the time. <laughs> Some <laughs> of the time. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I've got a comment in from Nick Howes, our regular commenter here. Uh, hopefully get him on the show at some point. Uh, he dropped a 520ST, that's an Atari, on a hotel lobby uh, in Malta, Ultravox 520ST, which ran the whole show using C-Lab Creator. Thankfully, it still worked. I could imagine that was a sketchy moment. That that would have really... Yeah, that's the cold sweats. I bet every... It's that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a smell of fear, isn't there? And I expect you probably had it um, about you at that point. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, there's another question coming up here. Uh, this is uh, from Sharon Lerner's channel. Oh, no, that's this one. I do beg your pardon. Sharon Lerner's channel. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Osmos keyboard? Because obviously we know it's it, it's been something that's been trailed for a long time. Uh, and are we going to see, are we going to get it soon or will there be a review? Well, I, I can answer some of that straight away. Yes, I will review it if it if it arrives, when it arrives. And I do know it's going there. I mean, you know, you've got to pity them, really. They've got this amazing product that requires custom manufacture, custom fabrication, and they've just fallen from sort of disaster to disaster. That's really sort of nothing of their own doing. I do know uh, there's somebody that we worked with at one company that's gone to work for them. So I know the company's still going and they're still gearing up for their release. And obviously, you know, all of their Kickstarter stuff, they, they must have done all those sales at the price that things were then. And now they're probably three times as much. So it's a nightmare. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. I know, uh, Yoad, did you see the Osmos? I mean, it's a really impressive uh, idea for an instrument, isn't it? The, um, the, the Osmos. The express, the expressive with, Osmos. Um, the, the multi-touch kind of uh, yeah. thing. Isn't but it's it? actually it's, yeah. it's actually got a hardware keyboard and keyboard. It's sort of, yeah, yeah it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very impressive. And uh, I wouldn't mind uh, trying one you know to see to see how it really interacts what what's the um how it's it great to play to i can tell you yeah polyphonic aftertouch you know yeah it, well i can it's very playable or it was in the last incarnation i saw of it and it's got the uh egan matrix sound engine oh. in it which just is so mm. built for Return expression up. and whatnot yeah it's lovely i know robin um you know, being in in the news game with Gear News and whatnot, you must sort of hear things. I mean, it's it's tragic what they've had to go through, but I don't. It still looks like it's on, so it's just you know not yet. Maybe towards the end of the year, I hope. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's it's enormously impressive. We we, we fight around with MPE controllers. It's always about spongy stuff, and so actually having something with mechanical keys, or at least the feel of mechanical keys, is is pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as everyone who I've uh, seen who's who's touched one is completely in awe of it. So, you know, it should do really well if only they can get it out the door. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah, Gaz, I mean, we, we were very fortunate to get early looks and we've been sort of kept in the loop quite a lot. So, you know, there just hasn't been much information recently, unfortunately. Oh, I mean, come on. It is, I mean, as I said at the time, and it is the most impressive piece of music technology I've ever experienced, you know, in terms of channeling human emotion into, you know, a rela mm. you know relatable uh, human feeling into uh, a very, very responsive um, musical output. The thing that is especially cool is that you can, use the most gossamer touch the lightest touch on the keys and and be able to trigger a very quiet sound be able to apply pressure in, you know and then come back to the softest yeah. thing it's so utterly responsive but i think as well just the way that it's so um embedded into the egan matrix of software it makes it so uh it's just a, a marriage made in heaven now what i'm really interested to see because uh, i so that in its standalone sense it, it works it doesn't you know it doesn't need anything else it and that would probably be enough just that but really keen to see how it works uh, and how well it plays with other things now as um uh, and i'm kind of curious to see if it will uh, be midi 2.0 from uh you know whether it will be a 2.0 device because uh mm, well, i would have thought it, so it, but yeah i would have thought so too it would make a lot of sense and, and you know as we've talked before is that midi 2.0 uh is a little bit slow to 
you know, yeah. um, we haven't. It could seen be any... the catalyst, couldn't it, Gaz? It could be, it could the, be catalyst. the catalyst. I think, that's yeah, it. yeah. That's and I think that would be yeah. that would be yeah, that would be great. I think mm. that's what we sort of need is this sort of piece of hardware. Okay, I got another question for you. Uh, this is from John Van Eaton via IRC. Uh, QQ, this is recording twenty-four bit or thirty-two bit floating now. For those of you who, uh, like me who perhaps don't know much about it, as, as I understand it, there's a whole slew of like the uh, like the Zoom uh, recorders, uh, the F6 and the F8, which have 32-bit preamps. So basically, you don't need to worry about setting the the game because the headroom is massive, very low nose floor, noise floor rather. And so uh, I was talking to a chap yesterday, and he was saying that he was using uh, the F6 to record. Uh, trees being felled because you've got kind of very quiet bits and then you've got this enormous crutch and, and just the massive dynamic range and it means that you don't need to set any that's as I understand I'm going to come to you Yoad because you probably have more of the science and, uh, about it I mean it, it is it imp is it practical I suppose 32 bit is it in the preamps or in the actual recording I'm just kind of curious to... the, well the preamps would be analog so there yeah. you know yeah. you won't find any bits there but if you if you can uh, tolerate the the the, the, the headroom um, in a way of having very low noise um, converters and at 32 bit you have massive uh, headroom and so if you apply it's almost like you know with electric cars and and things like that and phones you don't charge the battery to 100%, you always keep it at 80 or something to protect. So it's almost something like that. So you never get to this to to the kind of maximum. So you don't have to worry about limiting and about clipping and things like that. What you what you do lose in the process is basically bits. So if you record it quite quietly, then you would lose um, you know, the mass is that it's 6 dB per bit. So if you record something at minus 60, you would lose 10 bits of information, you know. So at 32 right. bit, you will still have, you know, quite a few bits uh, left. Um, so the, obviously the the noise, there's the factor of, of noise, um, because you would then need to re-amplify it back to kind of nominal level. Mm. Um, so, or boost it by, you know, 40 dB or however much it is on the, on the waveform. And um, so when you record a 24-bit, recording at minus 20 is absolutely fine. Below minus, I mean, peak. Um, below below minus thirty, or between minus twenty and thirty, right, right. You get you get it. It, it sounds a little bit quantized. You know, it, it's not really something that you hear, but it's something that you feel, and the whole session is not feeling the same because the waveform is is quieter. So you either have to put something to add gain to it, or you change the waveform, or this or that. So, um, but if you have a way of um, of bringing that up, so for recording, it's fine because once you finish recording, you can bring the signal up to a nominal level, reducing right. the bit rate, but you're still fine. Right, got you. It's interesting, isn't it? I know, Robin, I, I don't know that uh, multi-track recording is necessarily something that would work so great at... Uh, at 32 but for for the location and film work where you have this enormous dynamic range where you do get a lot more dynamic range inside a theater and in the sound system yeah because i mean basically most most of us aren't going to be able to tell the difference when it comes down the phone or headphones or bluetooth compressed anyway but have you tried any of the 32-bit um, location recorders and it's uh, i imagine it's quite miraculous that you just don't need to bother with mm. with gain much no, I mean honestly, the nuance is completely lost on me. Uh, it's not. It's not something that I am, am trying to achieve uh, in order to fill bits 
as such. I mean, honestly, I'm plugging things in. If it if it's yellow, that looks good to me. Off you go, as opposed to uh, worrying about it too much. But I understand that for for some people, it's very very important. And I, I it's one of those sort of learning opportunities where you go, oh right, yeah, no, that's what bits are about. It's something to do with that that headroom. It's like filling up an LED uh, meter you know, and that starts to make a little bit more mm. sense because it gets mixed into what digital resolution is all about. And all it really says to me is that's going to use up a heck of a load of disk space. And that's that <laughs> what worries me more at the end of the day. Yeah, that's true. So, um, that's true. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gaz, I mean, you do a lot of mastering stuff. I mean, do you yeah. tend to work, are you working mostly on 24-bit files or do people bring you 16 and then you up, yeah. you know, you up it well, and get to, to add the processing? I mean, I don't... Yeah, I mean, all sorts, really. Uh, but um, I did make a video on my channel, oh, gosh, a number of years ago about uh, some advantages using 32-bit float for um, your mixes, uh, mix downs, rather. And the advantage being there is it's like nigh on impossible to clip your mix down so obviously this is once all your all your all your stuff is in the, the digital domain and then uh you know if you have to create a mix down in a hurry which is often the case you know you kind of you know rather than having the whole you're at the end of a session and you trying to uh so rather than have to wait and play the track all the way through to see if you're clipping at all render the mix out as a 32-bit float bring that mix then into uh, you know your mastering software and then normalize it but like almost inverted normalize it will take the peaks it will bring them down to zero rather than up to zero mm. um and that's one of the advantages of 32-bit float then so uh now you know i mean i know it sounds like lazy not checking your mix for clipping but you know it often is the case you do you know you don't have the time to play it all the way through so that that can be you know quite a useful time saver but that means you do have to be aware of that so to make sure, otherwise it will you know you know you will kind of clip your mix further down the line um so if you, you know, you bring it back down again. Uh, one of the things that was interesting with the uh, the AXR4 interface from Steinberg was the oh, first yeah, commercial right. interface to record at 32-bit, not 32-bit float. And um, we, we did the review for Sonic um, uh, of that interface. And um, during that review process, I was trying to think about how can you actually, you know, what could you do demonstrate. <laughs> to demonstrate some benefit of this 32-bit? Because 24-bit is still enormous dynamic range. Um, so what we did in that case, we um, we mic'd up a drum kit and we mic'd up uh, all the toms. We we just put, because there's four, there four mic channels and then eight line inputs. So we used the line inputs, but putting microphones into the line inputs um, and then record at 32-bit. Uh, and that was quite an interesting thing because then, you know, you're getting really quiet. Um, you're getting very quiet uh, recordings uh, and then bring them up to, you know, like normalize them. Uh, those those 32-bit drum line recordings and actually the drums sounded amazing because actually a line a microphone going into a line input is you get a, a better sound than a mic a mic a, a mic preamp is going to impart certain things on the sound i think it's a i mean i might be completely wrong about this but um the transformers and stuff yeah i guess you get this really great they sounded incredibly transient i suppose the transients were so uncompromised by plugging them into line inputs so uh so that was yeah that was just a way of like going okay well if, if for whatever reason you have to record something extremely quietly you know to allow for the the greatest amount of dynamic range and uh, perhaps if you were recording um rocket engines or something i, I don't know uh then then 32-bit does have, have have certain values. But 32-bit float, though, as mentioned earlier, though, you know, I think its main purpose or its best purpose, is, as I mentioned, is for uh, is for having unclippable mix-down master, master mix, uh, mix right. downs. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Okay, well, that got a little bit technical, but um, it, you ask the questions and we try and answer them as, be as best we can. Uh, I think we're probably heading towards the end of the show. Uh, we've still got a load more questions in the bag, so, you know, we will get round to them. I'm just sort of trying to figure out how much time to devote to questions and when to use them. Maybe we need to do a kind of catch-up on questions episode at some point so we can clear the back, the buffers. I mean, some are, some are you know, timely, some are kind of like, you know, not, um, so we'll just get round to it. But thank you to all of you who uh, posted your questions and please do keep them coming. You've just got to uh, put QQ before anything in the comment and we've got a special filter that will just kind of grab it out there. So there are a number more. Uh, so, um, well, we'll I think we'll probably uh, wrap things up at the moment now. So, Robin, uh, your live stream is going to be a little bit later tonight and that's you uh, working on some of the stuff that you've had in for review. Is that right? Yes, yes. There's a pile of it. Oh, it's directly behind me, so you can't see it. But things like the Malevolent, Malevolent uh, which you did a review of recently, didn't you? And uh, I've also got the yeah. RYK vec Vector Wave and the LLM ASQ1, things like that. So bits and bobs, um, which will be fun to plug together. That'll be 9 o'clock-ish uh, this evening. So, um, yeah, come along and see what sort of sounds it will make. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you very much, uh, Johan. I guess you're you're busy, so you you are you got a mix on the on the, on the go at the moment, or are you going uh, you flipping projects I have a after mix this? On the stove right now. So, on the stove. Uh, I'll get back to it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated. And Gaz, uh, you're going to be going live. What eight o'clock? Is that right? On uh, yeah, I'm going to go from Gaz eight Williams. to nine, and then and then and then, and then you know hopefully everyone can then. Shuffle just on do to that Robin's show. Yeah, but just another <laughs> shout out for Sa yeah. So that so the guys, uh, the modalic guys, will be on with me tonight. So looking at Beat Scholar, but uh, yeah. But also, please, please, if anyone's around, come on Saturday to the Drone Bath in Mosley, uh, Mosley Road Baths in Birmingham for this super unique event. That'd be great. Yeah, just posted that link in the uh, in the show notes again, so uh, it should be available there. But thank you, everybody. Uh, it was great. I I've, I've sort of feel I've perked up a bit. My, my, I've been using my voice, and I don't feel quite so hungover anymore, so uh, <laughs> I feel happy. So thank you, everybody. Thanks to all in the Discord, uh, IRC, and the YouTube chats and everything. And as I say, thank you very much for the questions. Thanks to Wagyu for moderating in the chat, and Dom for no doubt tinkering with the uh, and keeping an eye on things with the new system. So we, we're starting to get there now. So thank you very much, everybody. I hope you have both have great shows later. Uh, thank you, Yoad. Uh, I hope you get um, an early night and you can put you can put something on the finished list <laughs> at the end of this. So uh, yeah, nice. yes. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we will now uh, switch over. I think I is I press this button. I can't remember. It's only been a week. Hey hey. See you next time. Bye.